war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 439-6028 439-6028 Yankee Tree Service YankeeTreeService.com What can they do? They do it all Tree trimming Experts based right in Lincoln Tree removal Since 2006 And also 24-7 emergency service available Call Yankee Tree Service today 439-6028 439-6028 Whether it's tree removal Stump grinding Tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Well, it's Wednesday, nice short week. Doesn't look like there's any rain coming. And last night uh, was the final debate with the Democrat primary, gubernatorial Democrat primary, Dan McKee, Governor Dan McKee, who, by the way, throughout the entire debate was referred to as Mr. McKee, um, Matt Brown, Secretary of State Nellie Gobea, and then also Helena Folks. So Channel 12, they finally got their chance. Tim White, Ted Nisi. I like both gentlemen. I respect both gentlemen. I thought the Channel 10 debate was better, was much better. I think last night, I, I don't know, it didn't have a flow. Um, it was less of a debate and more like individual interviews, which I didn't think worked. Uh, they seemed a little rusty. They haven't been doing it in front of a live audience as much. So it um the whole thing seemed off and I I dare even say it I mean the first half hour was actually kind of boring I don't again I I respect the work they do they get to pick how they want it I don't like the whole pop quiz I don't understand what it signifies there's no extra unless it would give the candidate more time maybe that would be interesting if you win the pop quiz you get extra extra time to get to select a topic you want to try like something like that that would make it interesting that's a little bit of game show but i don't like the speed round um rapid fire simply because they're all basically saying the same thing so but i i think the most they can monitor it helena bonanno folks who by the way has never fully decided is she helena folks or helena bonanno folks her maiden name she would say it but then the the Chiron, both Channel 10 and 12, they, they just have Helena folks, former CVS executive. She had her best, best night last night. She's out with a very strong attack ad. I just wonder if it's a little too little too late. But I thought the most interesting thing was Channel 12. Um, Governor McKee has avoided being on Channel 12. He has not sat down for newsmakers. He blames them for a lot of his legal trouble because of their investigative reporting. So last night was the first time they got to really question him about the FBI probe on governor mckee on also the subpoenas and i thought they were a little harsh on matt brown who was saying that governor mckee should resign if he's indicted let's dip into that channel 12 debate from last night and they did make that decision months ago and they have spent a lot of time this is matt brown governor mckee's administration so they think there is something here that needs to be looked at that's true governor mckee knew when he decided to run for office, that his administration was under criminal investigation by the FBI. True. I do think he owes it to the people of the state to tell them whether or not, if he's indicted in office, he will resign. Fair. What, Fair question. What, what evidence do you have, though, that this investigation, I mean, you, you drop uh, if Mr. McKee is indicted. There is 
no, again, indication that he is the target of this investigation. Oh, come on. Come on, Tim White. He signed off on the contract. live studio, and we will take time away from your candidate when you applaud. Mr. Brown. I don't like that at all. The FBI is not really interested in going after staff members. He's right. They're interested in rooting out corruption at the top. Correct. That's what they spend their time on. That's right. The FBI has got a lot on their hands Correct. in this country, as we know. They're not going to waste their time unless they think there is a serious problem and unless they think it's coming from the top. He's and not wrong. And one-third of FBI investigations, more than one-third, end in indictment. That's so right. That means two-thirds don't. That's what, a majority what? don't. And if is he defending that? that chance, that there's better than a one-third chance that, yep. that, that, that we've got a government... Yeah, but, and nobody else on the stage is under the, investigation. The, uh, in the coming months... If they want to take that chance, you know, I, I would not support that. Before I go to Ms. Folks, uh, Mr. McKee, would you like 30 seconds to respond to any of that, or do you want me to move on? Notice he calls him Mr. McKee. I want to just go back to where they had him on the ropes was Governor McKee was really uncomfortable about how come he won't share who in his office has received a subpoena. So I thought that was, like, the best part of the night. And... It, it comes in right here. This is where they finally work their way into it. All right, well, that's Nellie. Nellie Gorbea just seemed flat last okay, well, night. Move on, Tim. All right. Here we uh, go. I want to ask each of you about criticisms you have faced over the course of this campaign. Here Mr. we go. McKee, this topic has come up a lot. Mr. No McKee. Milo group. There's a federal and state investigation into the controversial education contract your administration awarded to consulting firm ILO Group. They're looking into how the deal came together. Now, your office has repeatedly refused to tell us if your administration has been subpoenaed True. as part of this probe. So yep. please answer it now. Have you or your administration received a subpoena? So I've answered the question about myself. No. Now, as far as uh, the situation in terms of that contract or that, that uh, ILO agreement. What about your administration? About in de- more detail if you want. Okay, but... Has your administration received a subpoena? My administration is dealing with it in terms of internally, in terms of the fact that we have someone that's served five administrations and are legal. Is you that can a give yes? them a call. Is that a yes? No, that's not. I, I'm not making comment on that. I'm not going to make comment on that. You can, uh, that will be handled Do you think the people of Rhode Island have a right to know? I've answered the question about myself, right? No. The answer is no. Do you think the people of Rhode Island have a right to know whether or not your administration has been subpoenaed by the federal government? Fair question. They have a right to know from me whether I have or not. Well, what about... You don't... You're not responsible for your entire administration? Of course I am. Okay. The way that it's being handled right now is the way it should be handled, by somebody that has experience relative to the issues, and they don't have to do it, and the fact of the matter is that the explanation that was given, which... Through a letter, you have it, Tim. The reason that was given, I think, is, is substantial. It's, it's appropriate. Well, what is that letter? You have defended uh, throughout the campaign your handling of the ILO uh, contract. But if it wasn't all that bad, how come the General Assembly passed a law to overhaul the bidding process? Because they felt it was abused. And in fact, Mr. McKee, you signed it. Mr. If McKee, was wrong, not Governor then McKee. Why agree to change the Mr. law that handles McKee. these public bids? Well, because I follow state statute. The reason I got it, the reason I got changed, is because we did follow state statute in the in the procurement process that that went on the way for the Department of Administration. Remember, I want to just reflect a little bit about where we were on March second, two thousand twenty-one. Unbelievable! We were in the state of emergency. State like of emergency. You know that was uh, he was he was rattled. No question about it. He was rattled. I'll say this though: the debate just never picked up momentum. I thought there was too much interjection between, and I respect and like both Ted Nisi, Tim White. I thought there was too much interruption. What's the point of having a crowd if every time they react and just very quickly applaud, you then yell? I I thought a reprimand them is maybe a better word. Um, I think Governor McKee was very relieved to come out of that thing. And the, the only thing that changed was I thought Helena Folks had a very good night. She did, as a matter of fact. And and also, um, she's out with a new ad. She is out with a new commercial that I want to just quickly play on this Wednesday. I just don't know. I almost I get the sense that maybe she 
she wished she had more time. She obviously doesn't have more time. Uh, but listen to, this is a pretty strong ad. She goes after both McKee and Nellie. Here we go. Dan McKee, the worst job approval of any governor in America. Mired in an FBI investigation of a contract awarded to his cronies. Nellie Gorbea refuses responsibility for a voting fiasco, even though she's the state's chief election officer. Instead, she blames the vendor, who she hired. Her big idea? Raise taxes on companies like Dell's, Iggy's, and others. Helena Folks, the plans and experience to get big things done in Rhode Island. The choice? Old politics or new leadership? You know, I like that. Old politics or new leadership? Uh, again, less than a week to go. We'll see if it pans out. All right, it's Wednesday. Uh, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment service at Med Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost efficient healthcare alternative to hospital based emergencies. They're open seven days a week walk in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services. And with at Med Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions you someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to atmed urgent care two locations johnston 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 or east greenwich 5750 post road online at atmedurgentcare.net thing to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining us right now, he is a columnist of the Boston Globe, but it's Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, you were at Rhode Island College. It was the big WPRI debate. Uh, I watched it on television. Tim White, Ted Nisi, four of the Democrat candidates on stage. You wrote a column about the fifth who was not included. But I'd like to hear your thoughts of a uh, firsthand account of being at Rhode Island College in the audience for the debate last night. Yeah, you know, when it, you, you've been to enough of these debates that when there is kind of that live crowd feel, uh, you know, it has the makings of, uh, you know, a little bit of a sporting event kind of thing. There's anticipation, there's kind of energy in the crowd. Um, you know, I thought, Overall, when I when I you know watched the debate, there was nothing I came away with where I said, "Boy, there was you know this memorable back and forth." Um, I thought Tim and Ted did a, uh, a a nice job, but but maybe overdid it when it came to kind of controlling yes. you know outbursts, whether it's both from the crowd or from the other candidates. You know, we didn't see the same level of discourse. Um, that you saw, you know, from Channel 10 yeah. during the, their debate last week. Now, look, there. I think there's room for both things, right? This is a more cerebral uh, group, and, 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 you know, they want to put on the best, you know, debate that kind of, you know, mirrors some version of like a presidential debate. I thought Gene Valcenti, when he did it for Channel 10 last week, he was willing to let everybody kind of take their gloves off. And so, you know, it was nice to see kind of both back to back in some ways, but you almost wish you could switch it around. You almost wish you could set the tone a week ago where, you know, there's a thoughtful discussion on some of the important issues of the moment. I'd have loved to see them kind of take the gloves off, particularly around the flooding issues and stuff where with, you know, Gene Valicenti a little more lackadaisical when it comes to, you know, just kind of enforcing rules of a debate. It would have been fun to watch that last night. Um, you know, for me, I thought Helena Folks probably had her best performance. Agreed. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and I thought, and I'll say this, I thought Governor McKee, you know, essentially held serve in this one. He did not come out as roughed up as, as he was last week. I mean, he was in the ropes last week. I think he, he had was. A, tough, a tough time last week. This one, you know, his staff calmed him down a bit. I think he was, you know, as he was gearing up for this debate, I think he was preparing for kind of a contentious kind of fight with the guys from Channel 12. Um, they, you know, preached really hard to him. 
you got to stay on message. you got to stay, you know, composed. you got to be a little self-deprecating. And for the most part, I thought he did come across that way. You know, if you were, if you were kind of a, a leaning McKee voter last night, nothing you saw said, oh boy, I, you know, that guy's going to change my mind. All that being said, I thought the worst performance of the night, uh, given the, the, the dynamics and given the stakes, was Nelly Grabay. I thought she... Um, you know, she's, she's taking a lot of hits right now and she just yep. never quite got on message, no. um, and delivered. And Helena folks was, was of those two, certainly Helena folks was, was stronger. Tim McGowan, you and I have discussed, there's definitely been some in the background that we keep people blame channel 12, right or wrong, but they blame them for actually, they blame them for the Tony Silva thing. They actually, I think they blame them for the FBI investigation with ILO. But listen, as a member of the media, did, did you think that maybe that came into play a little bit last night where they were giving him more latitude to try to seem like they were being fair? He got a, he got a lot of time last night. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the time breakdown because I know how hard they work on trying to be equal. That's why you'll, you'll hear at times Tim White say, you know, I owe you time here to, to yeah. you know, a different candidate. Um, I, I do. I, I look. Human nature, right? We, we've right. all been there. You've had this yes, you know, in no. times where you've had contentious, you know, fights with. with yeah, with, and it works you against know, you because then you're it, you're trying to overcompensate a little bit. Completely. I mean, I'll tell yeah. you this: my, you know, my first couple of years as a reporter, I, I, you know, my job was essentially to, you know, uh, <laughs> frustrate the Tavares administration, um, you know, a, a, as a reporter, and you do, you know, after you get, you know, the, into those kind of testy back and forth with staff or with the mayor, you know, do, do you give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes? Exactly. Do you, you yeah. know, the answer is absolutely yes. And so, yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm sure, again, knowing Tim and Ted and knowing how they prepare, I'm sure that they, uh, you know, were cognizant of trying to not you know, look like they were badgering him. But oh, I will say, I thought Tim White did an excellent job of, you know, trying to drill down on have, you know, has your administration been subpoenaed? Yeah, that was, that was a, the best that, part. That was probably the best part of the entire debate. And it yeah. was, it was also, uh, you know, incredibly uncomfortable. This is why you wish you could have had this, you know, a debate like this three or four weeks ago, because yes. if you get that, then you get the fallout from it. You get the campaign ads. Now we're talking John six days, you know, yeah. uh, almost 20,000 people have already, 16,000 people have already voted in this, in this primary. Yep. You know, this thing is wrapping up pretty rapidly. So, you know, that's why I say, I don't think McKee was, you know, a home run last night, but I do think he kind of held serve. He did. And I, listen, like you, I like those guys. I respect those guys. I think if they were going to do it over again, though, I, I don't. I just don't like the rapid fire in a primary doesn't work because they're all just on the same page. I, I didn't yes. like the I didn't like the pop quiz thing. There's no award for it. All right, Helena folks won pop quiz. Therefore, what? It's like miscongeniality. I, I also I, I just I the best part really got going was the soccer at the stadium. It was kind of at the end. And I just your thought on what what is your thought of Tim Tim White? I thought he was pretty rough with Matt Brown about the allegation about Dan McKee could get indicted. I mean, come on. He, he's obviously, he signed off on the whole thing. I mean, you're not, I didn't think Matt Brown was wrong, but I, what do you think of that exchange between your former colleague, Tim White and, and Matt Brown about you have no evidence he's going to be indicted. I mean, that's how they work. They're not going for a staffer that signed off on it. Ultimately it would, it would be on the top guy. Well, you, you, you and I just talked about the, 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 the issue that uh, it's, it's a really important question is, you know, how do you handle it when you're, yeah. you know, when you're the media outlet that is the kind of has broken a lot of the stories on that right. issue. If anything, it's not so much that they played kid gloves with Governor McKee. It's that they in, in some ways maybe over defended. Yeah. Him. To Matt yeah. Brown, and I think Excellent there's, point. I, I think yeah. that's something that that probably did happen. Now, again, yeah. that's that's the effort to be as you know fair as possible. Uh, but you're right; it did kind of take you know it, almost unlike last week where it kind of became a little bit of a free for all. Um, and you know, people don't like that either at, at times. It's, it's more entertaining television, of course, but does it get a lot done? Unlike last week, this time, you know, it, it, what Tim and Ted do 
um, you know, to some degree, a, a, a good job of it, but what they're very cognizant and trying to do is they want it to be about them, right? Their yeah. questions, yes. you know, back, the back and forth is very much about, you know, we ask the smart questions, you answer them. We're not going to let you filibuster that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, I think in that setting, I mean, if I'm Governor McKee and I want, and, and you could see it, John, you asked, you know, what's it like to be in the room that you could, the best thing you can see from being in the room is the body language is what happens after the debate and compare the two from last week to this week last week governor mckee ends the debate after getting just crushed for 57 out of 60 minutes he walks off the stage doesn't shake anybody's hand he's out of there what happens last night governor mckee's you know by some points kind of cracking jokes kind of trying to get some you know laughs from people even i think he got him and ted to crack up a little bit and then right at the end boom you know, shake hands with everybody. Cause this is one of those things I know I just won is what in his head is what he's yes. thinking. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to stand tall. I yep. survived, you know, that debate. It's, 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 it's winning the, you know, he, he won the boxing ma- matchup, you know, by decision essentially. Yeah. And I think we even heard the live mic. Ted Nisi said, I think to him, you made it. I mean, at the oh, you did he say? I, I actually didn't know that. Is that did that really happen? The very end, watch the very end. That was I was very surprised. It was the live mic. They, I'm sure they thought they'd cut away, but you heard Ted Nisi say to Governor Key, "You made it. It's over." Um, what one final element of that? And again, I know we're being very inside here, but that was also the first debate this season that those two have done with their audience, and and I think that played into it because it, it takes a while to get used to the crowd. My thing, if you're going to have a crowd, you can't keep reprimanding the crowd. About, I mean, they're, of course they're going to react. Uh, it's one thing if it goes on and on. But I, I think, you know, the other debates they did, they've done, Lieutenant Governor, Mayor, CB1, they were all in studio. Yep. Um, I think they could have used another practice game in front of a crowd because it is different and they, they seem to be oversensitive. And I get it, it is, you know, because they're it, eating it up is, at the clock. It's much much different in, in yeah. front of that crowd. So it you're is. right. Maybe a repetition. It would have been good. Maybe, you know, if, even though the, the CD2 debate was a little bit sleepy, you know, you could have done that in front of a crowd almost just as the trial run. Exactly. You know, Rhode Island College would have been glad to, of course, yeah. do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I will say, you're, I think you're right about this. Like, you know, I've been in, I've been in the, the room, whether it's at PPAC or at Rick or at other places where, you know, the crowd can become a circus. That crowd was not a circus. There, no. That was, you know, th- yes, there were a handful, you know, there were strong supporters for McKee. There were strong supporters actually for Matt Brown. Less so, um, I think, for the other two, for, for, for Julio Folks and Nelly Gorbea. They certainly had their supporters, but just they were more kind of, I guess, respectful of the rules that were laid out. But there, that, you know, kind of clapping when, some, when, a, when, when a candidate delivers, you know, a, a good punchline, that's not, it doesn't hurt anybody. I don't no. think it hurts like, the crowd at home. Where it hurts is, if you remember, there was years ago when, when you know, Anthony Gemma was a disaster as a candidate in a yes. lot of ways. You know, he used to talk to the crowd yes. in the PPAC as opposed to talking to the thousands of people watching on TV. By the way, yes. that's to the candidate's detriment, not to anything else. Right. Um, or people are so doing. I, I think or, you're right. Yeah. And damn it, go and find, before I take a quick break, I, I, I think locally – everyone should think about maybe extending it to a 90 minute debate. I mean, as someone that has watched them all, all I keep hearing is 30 seconds uh, short on time here. We're way behind. It, the whole thing is so rushed constantly. I, I 30 seconds more than we got to go to closing. And I, I don't know, maybe it should be extended a little bit. I mean, I don't think the candidates would balk. It would just make potentially for more, of a comfortable back and forth. Yeah. I always get the sense in watching these and I've watched every single one that everybody just seems so under the gun. And then I just start to ask like, what, where's the fire? What's the rush? Yeah. Maybe it should be extended an extra half hour. I, I actually think that would be a great idea. I will tell you, I know this was not on television, low stakes, but I moderated the very first debate of the Providence mayoral race this year. Well, no, wait a minute. Uh, that was it, what? Four hours long. Well, I was going to say, so there's a line to be had, right? But well, you're right, I don't know about right. that. You're you're right that 90 minutes is probably uh, is probably a better way to do it. The other thing that it, good thing and, and and as you mentioned, I wrote a column about uh, Luis Munoz not being on the stage. I actually agree with the decision. I don't think he deserved to be on stage. Yeah. The thing about it is, is when you have four up there, you know, you are cutting into each other's time. General election debate, 
you know, I, I, I would hope that Channel 12 does not allow any of those fringe candidates on the stage. Absolutely. And that you get, Ash, you know, Ashley yes. Kalis versus whoever. Uh, 60 minutes is a, could be a thoughtful discussion with two people. But the more candidates you get, I mean, you see this so much in the, in the congressional race because it's just the, the candidates are just piling on top of each other and, and they have no room to, to no. maneuver. It's a little bit like those presidential debates that you see when there's 10 people on the stage. Yeah. And you know, only Donald Trump gets to speak. Basically. That's right. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan of Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, uh, let's start with the Globe has had uh, great coverage of what happened on, on Monday. Um, it, it's interesting to me how Dan McKee seemed to find his footing and then just be almost, the, he reversed it like he was commending them. But I, I I never recall anything like that. I think a lot of the criticism of Monday and the criticism came out last night. I thought Channel 12 actually brought out a good point that the people are stuck in traffic. They're still running Labor Day messages right. on DOT on the board. Uh, that I, I thought Monday was in. I, and they, they didn't even talk about the 610 connector, which they've spent millions on. But the Globe has had very good coverage on the fallout from Monday. I think there's still going to be more stories to come. I think there's still going to be more stories to come. And I think that you want to talk about dodging a bullet or, or, you know, however you want to put it. If this doesn't happen on Labor Day, this happens yesterday instead. Oh, my God. I mean, imagine the, the you know, kids on buses. This yes. would have been, you know, a December debacle times 10 in some ways. Uh, and, I, and I think you would have had, you know, I think we would be having a lot different conversation today if this happened yesterday than on Monday. Yep. You know, when I look at it from sort of the political perspective, the way it was kind of discussed during the debate, whoever gave Dan McKee the advice to say, you know, lead with thanking the workers for working on oh. Labor Day, very intelligent, right? Smart move, kind of forced everybody else to uh, also, you know, waste a little bit of time saying, you know, we're so appreciative of the workers uh, and it takes away the focus from him. But bottom line is, look, there are real questions that should be asked whether it's the Department of Transportation, uh, you know, there, there's just lots of, of, of folks, you know, you, you're exactly right. When you're, when you're on the highway and you're driving up and you're getting, you know, a quirky message about drunk driving, when you're actually driving into a flood, um, that's not a good, that's not a good thing. That's a, a massive blunder. You know, it's almost, it's interesting. If it happened yesterday, I would say that would be the end of Dan McKee's political campaign. I also think, if it happened maybe three weeks ago, it could have been yeah. the end of Dan McKee's political campaign. It actually just happens at almost the perfect time in a moment where, thankfully, there were not as many people on the road as there could have been on any other normal day. Uh, and so he, he almost, you know, it's, it's almost like the stars are aligning for him because even the mistakes can kind of be covered up in some ways. Yeah, and he set the new threshold. Nobody died, so people were inconvenienced. I mean, is that where we are? I mean, that was not Monday. That was not a 15, 20-minute flight delay. That no. was really hairy for people. And all those cars, I mean, I, I, you know, any mechanic, you get water into a car, it's never the same. But that 610 connector, I cannot believe the amount of money that's been spent and how there was just no excuse for that. Now, also, Dan McGowan, Boston Globe has uh, good pieces. You're right. Nelly Gorbea, boy, two more glitches now between uh, in the mayoral race. And then now uh, there's also a story how Dan McKee is filing saying that this spending that she's doing goes outside of the bounds of what's allowed. 
Yeah, this is one of those, th this is the child, you know, for people who, who probably hear you and I, and I'm sure I, I belabor this maybe too much, is, you know, when you start to talk about, you know, money and campaigns and what you can do and what you can't, the challenge when you're somebody like Nelly Gorbea, you know, at the end of a campaign is you're out of money and you can't respond in any significant way. And so what you have here is you have a, 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 a true blunder when it comes to, you know, the, the they spelled Gonzalo Cuervo's name wrong. You know, there's these 55 voters that cast ballots for, you know, with, with candidates from the 2018 elections. Those are real mistakes that, you know, that you have to answer for kind of in your official capacity and your campaign capacity. Then, you know, yes, you're, you're, you're kind of at this last moment where the McKee administration or the McKee campaign says, hey, you know, you're, you're about to attack us on the air with, you know, one of these super PAC independent expenditures, but they didn't do it the right way, which, by the way, happens in lots of campaigns. But it's all, what also happens in lots of campaigns is somebody files a complaint and you get a little bit of news coverage out of it. What, what Nelly Gorbet, she, she's almost back against the wall right now. She's trying to finish out this campaign. But, the, you know, for the first time in really a year since announcing, she, she now has some adversity and, and it just doesn't feel like it. One, I think it's too late and she doesn't have enough money to kind of get back on air and get back on her feet and try to kind of explain this thing away. So six days to go, boy, I'd much rather be uh, Dan McKee right now than, than Nelly Gorbea, if we agree that those two are kind of in the top tier candidates. I do. And Dan McGowan, it does seem, he seems to even feel it, that he has just been able to pull away all those union endorsements, all the money that's come uh, flowing in. He's feeling it. Folks, was I thought last night that she did do her best. I think the format didn't favor someone who was trying to have a real dominating night just because the way it was it was broken up and probably a little bit too too little too late. Now, folks, also in today's Boston Globe, full recap uh, of all the primary elections yesterday, plus the Patriot coverage. And then also, uh, Dan McGowan, as you mentioned, Roadmap, first of all, happy belated birthday. But I want to remind people, now they still have time where they can fill out everyone that they think are going to win coming up. It's less than a week now. It's Tuesday, September 13th in the Rhode Island primary. Yeah, we've got this contest, John, that, that for folks out there, it's completely free. Uh, and it's, it's your traditional, they think it's where you pick Sunday football games. Uh, it, it's just like that, except it's the all the primary races for general assembly, statewide office, and then the Providence mayor's race. So we're talking, I don't know, 50 or so, uh, you know, races that you can pick. We're going to give away prizes to the winners, but it's completely free. If you subscribe to Roadmap, you get to do it. And John, we're already, I think 550 folks have now uh, subscribed to this. So this is a big, kind of a big contest. Yeah. Uh, I hope we'll be able to have a good enough uh, prize for the winners, but it's fun. And I'll tell you, you know, the, the inside baseball thing, John, is I get to see what everybody submits. So I get yeah. to see everybody, you know, who the insiders are picking in all these races. I don't publish that stuff. You know, that, that there's, there's some level of anonymity to this. But uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you kind of love Rhode Island politics, uh, join the contest. It's really easy and you'll, you'll, you can pick every winner and again for prizes. Um, folks, again, also uh, in the Globe, new name for the dunk, plus Coach Cooley has a contract extension. Again, you can uh, get it through Roadmap. Dan McGowan, how can people one more time get Roadmap? Yeah, very simple, folks. Uh, uh, all you have to do is send me a blank email, just a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you right up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he is Dan McGowan. Dan, uh, great job as always, uh, and we'll talk to you again. All right, talk to you, John. Thanks so much. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 
252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. To the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining right now is one of my siblings. She is an independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, I want to start off. It can't be ignored. Washington Post, huge bombshell. Where uh, And, and this, um, <clears throat> I'm interested to see how this plays out. But this really starts to play into the reason for the raid. They are reporting that with, we don't know the country, I don't believe, as of yet. But one of the, some of the documents found at Mar-a-Lago during the raid were nuclear capabilities of a certain country. Now, that is yep. very concerning. Yep. We're not sure who it might be. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Potentially something was either, again, total speculation sold to the Saudis or to Russia. We don't know the, the country, I don't believe, but why you would have the nuclear components, capabilities, strength, the weaknesses of a country in regards to their nuclear arsenal, those are... Um, these are very, very serious uh, allegations. And, and again, I, I think I want people to understand the Washington Post would not be publishing this if they didn't have it totally nailed down that that's what was was among the documents. Yeah. Uh, and good to be with you, J.D. Um, you know, that this is the rabbit hole that Trump may now be really going down into. Uh, and I don't say that lightly, as you say, John, like we, I don't know that there's a bottom to this. If, if this is playing out, as you say, it's one thing for people like MSNBC, Joy Reid to spout out stuff on her show, which she's gone into even a deeper direction, but for the Washington post credibility on the line as you say, to really just they, they John, they have that information because it's, of course, slightly leaked to them. Yes, uh, right. It's a combination, as in our audience always knows that, between, you know, leaking and reporting. Um, but look, um, I just think this is really now validating, unfortunately, that at the top apparatus of this this country's national security, they are very concerned not only what he had, John, and where has it been shared and with whom yeah. right. and the motivation. So as you say, I mean, this is just as serious as it gets. Um, this is not something you swat away. Uh, I just I just think this is now it's it's just almost chilling to think, um, you know, it, what and why the information, the volume of it. Uh, and like we say at this point, I don't think it just sat there, right? So, you know, whether there was a exchange, a bribe, a tri- I mean, it, this has, like I say, this goes in the rabbit hole. Like this could go in so many directions. And I, I, I just think as each chapter goes on with this, John, a lot of other, like as we're approaching the midterms, I think this begin i would think this has to begin to have an effect on other leading republicans whether they're in races or prominently in congress john you have to step aside a little bit on the, to me if, if this if the way this is beginning to play out it's very very concerning well and on top of that well we we don't know because you know they don't show all the cards we and, and and i know right now people that are listening could be somewhat taken aback and even shocked mm-hmm. by what we're discussing but what you don't know is because they don't say is if there was some kind of uh, listing device that there could have been communication between different parties. There could have been communication that that someone was this information going to be shared with. Um, but wow. but this yeah. goes beyond the element of mementos. This isn't, you know, one to have a letter or a picture or right you know, something right. uh someone was trying to say writing memo or um, you know it was memoirs or something like this this is <clears throat> i mean it, it it's not that tough to figure out why would someone have a, another country's nuclear capabilities and i think what we don't know which as many people had said there wouldn't be an indictment here but what you can't ignore was did they catch on to some level of communication that 
the information maybe yes. down the line was going to be shared with someone or there were, the, there were plans to meet with someone. I, I don't think any of that stuff can be – it can't be ruled out right now. And I know there have been people all along have been in denial, but you, you, it, it can't be ignored. And, again, let's wait and see what, what's going to come out. There are some distractions with the, the special master. The president did the, you know, the rally on, on Saturday, and, and obviously the faithful come out. But yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Donna Perry. I'm, I want to see – the more of this comes out, who you're going to see on television continuing to defend or go after the FBI or the DOJ, because I've seen more people seem to pull back and then not making themselves available to appear on these shows. Absolutely. Right. Like, I, I think that most uh, leading Republicans, number one, they, they don't really know what no. <laughs> Uh, and I think when you get into this territory, this is very serious and a former president, we're in uncharted territory, let's yeah. face it. So I think, you know, never mind, there's crazy people online on both sides, on, you know, on both sides of the issue. Uh, you're, they're obviously trying to be sensitive to the nature of this. It is the former president, but we've never had in a former president with this stash of you know, documents of this nature. Um, mm. And I will say, despite what a lot of people probably want to think of, you know, oh, the media jumping out, you know, John, I actually think they're probably being restrained. Very much. Um, if yeah. you are the editor and the owners, which is, you know, Bezos of the Washington Post, you are, pro you're being like, hey, guy, you know, you're going to go out there, you got to be a thousand percent correct That's of right. anything. I think yes. they're actually being cautious. Yes. Um, it could it have more than that they're letting on right yeah, now. Yeah, because it's also like as has now been as people begin to absorb this and it's after the summer and the hot Labor Day. Look, like the, we have, as always, we have spies, if you will, but we have people in very sensitive posts all yeah. over the world. And all of this goes around in like five seconds online. So like, you know, John, like people could be in danger. Uh, who represent the U.S. for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, this is highly sensitive. Um, and I just think because there's a lot that's not known, of course, you know, I think there's a sense by um, that, that, you know, even people who former a big Republican, I'll just, you know, A.G. William Barr. Now, he came out and yeah. he feels the DOJ, he's a DOJ type of guy. He said their hands should not be tied he seems to have not a lot of confidence in this very youngish, um, like a Florida, that's really like a local judge who, you know, did get to decide on the special master. Right, right. Um, Barr is saying he feels that it was a very deeply flawed yeah. ruling and he's it urging the government them should appeal. Yeah. just appeal it because I think he, he of all people, he knows, as we're saying, the nature of of what we're talking about um, is very serious. And he's saying you don't want to buy time um, of, of all kinds of reasons, John, like what, what do they have down there? What else are they hiding? It's just awful. And again, you try to be restrained, but the, this is to me, like I say, unfortunately Trump may begin to go in down into a very deep rabbit hole on this. Yeah. It just, uh, it just so, I mean, they have, they believe they have all the documents. So, I mean, I, that's one of the good things. The other thing is it, this Washington Post story, they're saying the type of information, another country's nuclear capabilities. Right. And that would be, they're saying so sensitive that only the highest levels of our government would have access to it and, and might be able to see it. But it is not something distributed, put out. I mean, right. that is obviously uh, very, very sensitive information. Again, we don't know and it has been identified as of yet. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition. Since 1977, delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. 
We're speaking with independent columnist opinion maker Donna Perry. Well, DJ, the uh, Massachusetts primary, uh, they was held yesterday. Rhode Island is next week. And um, I'd like to hear your kind of recap a little bit on some of the races. The, the, the match is now set. Uh, it will be Jeff Deal, um, victorious in the Republican primary for governor, yep. and then Maura Healy. I, I, I want to see several things. Number one, I want to see if this is actually going to be a race. Uh, I just wonder if we're in a mode right now of how, you know, Charlie Baker was the governor for the past eight years. There's almost a feeling of like, okay, you know, a man was just governor for eight years. Now let's have have a gender, let's have a woman governor for the next eight years. Um, as much as the race has said, I, I'm waiting to see some polls to see if we're actually going to have a race there. Because <laughs> out of the box, it would seem that Moore Healy is, you know, very much the favorite here. And Deal has not been you know, communicating with the, the main, what we call the mainstream press. Right. So let's talk a little bit about yesterday. Sure. Um, you know, in a way, now Healy really essentially had no opposition in her own primary. Right. That was just kind of a slam dunk, 84%. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, Deal has a lot of stuff working against him. Um, yeah. And right out of the gate before it was midnight, Healy, you know, sends out the statement, um, you know, what else? deal wants to bring Trumpism to Massachusetts. Uh, um, you know, he's following the, I mean, John, she's right at it. All right. He's yeah. following the Trump playbook, anger, extremism, and that's not what mass is all about. So that was like the first 10 seconds of when it was obvious that, that he won and she won. I, I would say this, you know, as you say, if any of the reporters want to actually cover anything here and not just make it a coronation for Healy. And I would say, we're not sure if, the Boston-based media is interested in that. Um, I, I do think this, and I think this has been a little lost in the communications from Deal. Look, he also had a, a very um, decent uh, record as serving as a legislator in the yes. Mass Legislature. Um, you know, obviously, she's just going to do this. This, you know, you're a Trump guy. I think if they have some smart communications, he has to talk about other parts of his earlier record and say, look, um, I am, you know, this is a caricature that you just want to say, I'm, you know, a Trump guy, but here's what I did when I was in there. And I think the only chance a Republican can have, in my view, um, and I know he's not in the mold, mold of like a Baker, but the, the reason Baker was always so successful, John, he managed to articulate to the public that there is a lot of extremes on Beacon Hill and True. certainly the progressives are on the march in Massachusetts. That's an yeah. understatement. Um, and I think you have to say, look, um, I don't know the deal can pull this off, but say like you need some counterbalance to the extremes there. And I do wonder sometimes that's why a moderate Republican was able to win. Like a guy, yeah. like, a lot of it was based, oh, his yeah. tone, his tone and personality in my view was always kind of pitch perfect for the state he's operating in, you know, <laughs> Not in yeah. Texas. So so that race is set. Um, and like I say, I do think it's incumbent on the media to actually, you know, she hasn't had, I would say, you know, her whole brand has been like, you know, we chase huge civil lawsuits and she goes after a lot of corporate entities. Um, that's the brand there. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of other issues to in managing the state and you can't just be all that. So I don't know what her overview on public education is. And, you know, you have a big M MBTA struggle and transportation. So I think I'd like to see the media ask her anything that remotely resembles a difficult question. Yeah. Um, and that would that would be the case there. If I may, I, I would also say when we talk about the march of the progressives in mass, um, there was actually um, the Suffolk County DA race, which wouldn't be notable to people except that Rachel, that was for the seat, Rachel Rollins left. Right. Yeah. She was anointed, that really goes to, uh, to the White House level, to become U.S. attorney for Mass. So they put in this Kevin Hayden. Um, so he was appointed by Baker. I mean, he's at least has 25 years in, you know, uh, been a criminal defense attorney, prosecutor, et cetera. Um, and then really had this kind of fierce contest with this Ricardo Arroyo, who John, very young guy, early 30s, really has no 
<laughs> prosecutor right. experience. And we're yep. seeing this. I mean, even in mass, like Arroyo was, and so they kind of went at it. Um, they are declaring Hayden has won. Wow. Uh, Arroyo, though, as we're speaking, I believe won't concede in waiting oh. for John, the mail ballots, and oh, saying they have to all go. get counted. <laughs> Here we go. That's where that stands. Like, I would just say in Hayden's defense, um, he was correct to say, well, just because the guy was like the darling of the progressives, which completely run the Boston City Council, by the way. Sure. I don't know that he's ready for that level of, you know, a major, um, you know, law enforcement prosecution office. And by the way, his whole brand, the Arroyos, John, he's what, what I think you're seeing with a lot of the progressives. You're seeing this in other states, um, whether you see um, in New York, the AG, John, that this is kind of this we're going to, you know, really change um, law enforcement from the inside out. And a lot of it is they're using, you know, this idea that you use uh, AG's offices to just change the landscape of weakening prosecution, right? Like we're seeing this everywhere. Um, Arroyo John talked about wants no cash bail and, you know, this kind of very lenient outlook, um, and he had the backing. It did divide, if you will, the kind of Massachusetts heavyweights of the Dems um, because he's had the backing of Michelle Wu. Yep. She kind of went right after that to, to push him. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a, a knock on her judgment when Kevin Hayden came right out and said, well, he has no prosecution experience. Yeah. You're going to put him in a, a role that high? So we'll see. They they got into a thing about that um, Arroyo had, as a younger person in high school, there was a sexual assault allegation. He was never proven. It's a messy case. And then he claimed they leaked it because they, you know, have control of the files. I, you know, so that went on and on. But that's where that stands. Um, and then, John, if I may, the race for Massachusetts Attorney General to succeed yeah. Healy. That's coming out as a bit of a surprise. Um, so Andrea Campbell, who also big on the council, not big on any prosecution experience. John, she would be the attorney general for the state of Massachusetts. Wow. She would be the first black female uh, in that role, I believe, um, first black person in that role at all of, but also little thin on experience and in the closing days her the biggest competitor in the democratic primary was this shannon lease uh reardon who was known as a very tough labor attorney certainly mm -hmm. liberal however she's got like a lot of experience and elizabeth warren and then michelle Wu actually backed her so they were in a statistical dead heat just days before the Labor Day weekend. So that's kind of funny because suddenly Campbell kind of went up, John, eight or nine points. Wow. Um, and again, a lot of the mail ballots coming in. Yep. So that's where that appears to stand. Um, now, she would face the Republican Jay McMahon for AG, unfortunately, you know, we'll see. Um, he's going to have to make a run Uphill at that. climb. Yes. Yep. Folks, quick so. break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePito Show.